Ephesians chapter 4. And the uh, bulletin outline, it's not complete, it's just a broad one. And so there's a lot of other detail that we look under. In the point under point B is number one, a complete deliverance. We have verse 17 to 24 of Ephesians 4. And we looked at verses 17 down to uh, 19 last week. Uh, The sinner's condition... We are intellectually darkened and our inclinations are depraved, as we looked at last week. And I've, I've written verses 17 to 20 next to Romans chapter 3, where Paul said, There's none good, no, not one, because it's describing our fallen state in Adam. And so we've, we've noticed the sinner's condition there. Intellect, intellect darkened and inclinations depraved. And we didn't go to Romans chapter 3 last time, but we'll just read it to start with in chapter 3 of Romans and verse 9, where Paul said this to them in building the case for the need of salvation and showing us how sinful we are in the first three chapters of Romans. He said, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles. Are we better than they? Are the Jews better than the Gentiles? No, both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin, everybody. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And no matter who it is, from Pope down, that preacher, pastor, whatever, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. We, that is, we're all in that state, unsaved. And um, <clears throat> we cannot declare our own righteousness. We must recognise that all are sins, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 23. And then he goes on in verse 13 to 20, just to show how <laughs> wicked we were and uh, how wicked we could be and the depravity to which we would sink depraved actions and thoughts and and deeds and so we needed new life didn't we Uh, the sinner's condition totally lost and before a person can get saved he has to be lost and before a person knows he needs to be saved he has to know that he's lost He, he has to know he's lost and be convicted about that that state that he's in the lost state. We can come now to the from the sinner's condition to the saint's conversion, verse twenty to twenty-one. <clears throat> verse nineteen, Paul was saying that those who are past feeling work hard on their vileness. In verse nineteen, who are being past feeling, and remember that past feeling. What do we refer to it as? There's a disease that you get that you don't feel anymore with. Leprosy. You don't feel. And you do injury to yourself. And your toes, every fingers, the extremities get all damaged and, and get deformed. And that's what the word is here. We, that sinners are past feeling, given themselves over to lasciviousness and um, to work 
and, and they work at it. They work at being wicked. They work at being vile when they go down that path. And that's what we see in the world today, uh, working at being the worst and just following the old nature to the end of the line. Bad. It's really bad. And that's what Romans 3 is talking about. But, <laughs> the big but there, there's always a but in the Bible in these situations. But, ye have not so learned Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these this but. And uh, it may be that this evening most people, if not all here, uh, have come to that but. We have not so learned. We do not go that way. We do not practice sin. We do not go down the path of wickedness and vileness. Lord, we choose to be different. Lord, I pray that you would bless the word as we look at it this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, the saints' conversion, the change that happens in verse 20. Paul did not link Christian belief and behaviour to a creed, to a code, or to a precept, or but to a precept and he, he linked it to a person, a person. If we're going to measure up, we're going to measure up to the fullness of the statue of Jesus Christ. That's who we're going to measure up to. We, we learn from him what we ought to be. Christianity is Christ. You have not so learned Christ. You don't do what you used to do. You don't do that the, the old man, the old nature follow, tracks you down to do or, or leads you to do. And to find out how filthy and false, ungodly philosophies are, place them alongside Christ. Ye have not so learned Christ. Remember the people that came to the, to the preacher and said, Sirs, the Greeks, wasn't it? Sirs, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. And we see him as we read through the New Testament. We see him in the Gospels. We, we hear of him being preached in the book of Acts. We see the doctrines in the epistles. We see his sermon on the mount in chapter 5 through to 7 of Matthew. He, he didn't keep the bar down here. You know, people say, oh, you, do, you know, the law is done with. He, he raised the bar you know, to look on a woman. And, and, and really put it, laid it down and he said, this is the measure. This is the measure that I live by. This is the measure I did when I was here on earth. He lived a life and it was absolutely what? Perfect. There was no sin in him. No sin at all. We see him in his priceless parables. You know, this is the Lord of glory able to bring divine, eternal truth down to the understanding of people who work paddocks and used hose and cows and oxen and he, he, he used the things that they touched daily and used daily, consumed daily, he used them to teach them spiritual, heavenly, eternal truth. And we have not so learned Christ, but we have learned from him as we measure up to him and see him. In his powerful prayer of John chapter 17 there, the real Lord's Prayer, where he prayed a wonderful prayer to read through and study we see him doing good hum humbling himself serving others we we sang in that number 320 about this loving and lowly attitude that he had patient and pure person in his selfless and kind actions toward others and it was it wasn't until that people 
had rejected, rejected and rejected that he turned on them and pronounced the woes upon them for their wicked rejection of him who was so evident to be the truth of God and to be the light of the world. And so it's not really a choice when you weigh up between Christ and corruption. It's not really a choice when you weigh up between Christ and condemnation. It's a matter of, it's totally illogical to go the way of corruption and the way of condemnation. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, when the Lord was speaking there to Nicodemus, wasn't it? Chapter 3 of John and verse 17, the one following verse 16 that we often quote. John 3, 16 and verse 17 reads, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. With the teaching that he taught, with the things that he did, with the miracles that he performed, these people were without excuse. Here was the Lord Jesus Christ presented to them in person. He sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, but that they might be saved. <laughs> to be a Calvinist, you say that Christ has chosen them to condemnation. No, they chose themselves to be condemned because they didn't measure up to Christ and say, I need to get right. I need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are, they, they are condemning themselves to eternal condemnation because they do not believe. He that believeth on him is not condemned, verse 18. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You're walking in a condemned state. And as you measure up to Christ and see his wonder, his glory, his power, all the things that he did, don't you see how condemned and how small we are? <laughs> because he hath not believed the person that doesn't believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love what? Just what we've been talking about. Just what Ephesians talks about. Just what Romans 3 talks about. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil and they hate being exposed. Their pride makes them, the hairs rise on the back of the neck when you speak about them being a sinner. Everyone that doth the Doth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Notice that. So, <clears throat> yes, the change, a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Millions choose condemnation rather than salvation because they just won't humble themselves and admit that they're sinners and they're under his condemnation and they need salvation from the Lord Jesus. Um, <clears throat> just as it was in Christ's day, they still cry out, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas, not to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 26 and through to 31 we have this mentioned. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, who's seen the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that he has, he's died to offer salvation. And then receive the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. 
And he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God? Ye have not so learned Christ. People see and know and deliberately reject the truth. There is no other way for salvation. There's no other way to eternal life. Paul reminded us in Ephesians 4 4 verse 20 that we're looking at life with Christ is a life of victory over the mental darkness, over the moral depravity of the lost. The Lord Jesus clarifies our thoughts, cleanses our lives, indwells our hearts, quickens our conscience and stiffens our resolve to follow and serve him as he gives us his spirit. And so the change, there is a change. We look at Christ, we measure up to Christ. And uh, do we ever reach that in this mortal body? Do we ever reach that? When does perfection come? At the moment of the rapture, that perfection comes. Body, soul, body, soul and spirit in his presence. And uh, we, we, are, we battle against the old nature through this life. We, we, we battle those depraved thoughts that come, those uh, things that the old man would love us to do. The challenge is given. The change is seen in verse 20, talking about measuring up to Christ and the challenge in verse 21. If so be that you have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And there's a if here. There's a but in verse 20. There's an if in verse 21. If so be. If here is like the hypothesis found in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, where it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. The if casts no doubts on the fact that Christ has been raised. The if followed by the indicative mood means that the hypothesis is assumed as fact. Paul made it clear that a new life is fundamental to being a Christian. If you're saved, there will be a change. I see. <laughs> There'll be a difference. Easy believism is a problem, isn't it, in our world today, in a lot of the big churches? They, they, oh yeah, I believed. Ah, yeah, but where's the change? Where's the difference? If this is so, there will be a difference. Young people, if it is so, there will be a difference. There'll be a new life that's displayed, the life of Christ in you. The way of lust and license is false. It ends in disease and defilement and and death. When a person becomes a new creature in Christ, he doesn't put up a sign business as usual, but he puts up a sign under new management, new boss. Someone else is in charge. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. We read here, <coughs> Romans 6 11. Likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that it should obey it in its lust. This is under new management, (laughs) under the Lord's management. 
reckon ourselves to be dead. I don't know why his name keeps coming up, but when Pastor Willie Mullen preached on this, that, that word reckon just stick, stuck in my mind from that point on as a young person. Reckon. What do you reckon reckon means? <laughs> what do you do at the end of the month? Well, I do at the end of the month. You probably don't if you're on a wage earner. Well, it, it, maybe, yeah, you have to have a, a budget of some sort. But at the end of the month, what do you do? Well, you should be already reckoning. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that reminds me of that. <laughs> yep. Well, you, you add up at the end of the month all your bills. You reckon things. Well, we used to have a ready reckoner, and um, we'd go in the bush and pull all the logs out with a bulldozer. And on the landing, before you pushed them on the truck, because you couldn't get to them on the truck, they're too high, you'd say the log is as wide as this room. You go to about the middle of the log, you take the bark off, and you put a tape and measure it there. Then you measure the length of it. And then you go in your book, ready reckoner, and calculate and reckon out how many cubic feet of timber was in that. Then you do the next one, the next one. So when you got to the mill, they'd sign off on that and you gave us so many cubic feet of wood, whatever sort of wood it was. And there's all sort of ready, ready reckoners that you can have in different businesses, but that's the one I'm used to. And so we as believers come to reckon ourselves. We figure this out. <laughs> we say, here I have a choice to sin. The old nature wants me to. But I have to add up and say, I have died in Christ to sin. So I am dead to sin. How can I live in it anymore? And this is the victory of the Christian life. You know, often we just like the Lord to do it for us. <laughs> we have to make the choice, don't we? It's our choice. Reckon yourself dead. So that the challenge is given here in if... And we are to walk in the Lord. And we read on in Romans 11. Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Work this through. Think it out when the sin comes. And this is, ties in with Romans 12, 1 and 2 as well. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto, unto sin. And what is our members? Members of our body. Your mind, your eyes, your ears. You know, what do we sing in Sunday school? I'd be, that's it. I'd be careful little hands, what you do. I'd be careful little mind, what you think. It's got the cogs up there on the, on the thing. Be careful little ears, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, the five senses. Oh, be careful. And we teach from a young age. Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You have changed, and now the challenge is to keep Walking with the Lord. <laughs> and so <clears throat> we'll finish there. Otherwise we'll have to go for another that money that long again to look at the next section. I'd rather cover it right than cover it fast. So we have next time a new look. So if you've got that outline there in the bulletin, we're only after a new look, so at least doesn't have to type anything for next week. <laughs> and <clears throat> so under the new life, the sinner's condition, his intellect is darkened, his inclinations are depraved, and we looked at that tonight, the inclinations. 
And uh, the saints' conversion, there's a change and there's a challenge, verse 20 and 21. So we go on to the converted disposition. And we'll be looking at other verses in Colossians and Hebrews and Romans again next time.